Hello and welcome to the White Rabbit's Come Follow Me podcast. My name is Jennifer Lee Barris, your host, and I'm looking forward to sharing some highlights inspired by this week's reading assignment from the Book of Mormon, 1 Nephi, chapters 1 through 5. The very first words of the Book of Mormon, I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, is such a sweet acknowledgement of what his parents had taught him and his appreciation for their righteous example. He was not only educated in secular things, but also taught spiritual truths. His willingness to try to follow their teachings built within him great faith, which helped him move with great power in his life. Prophets don't have to have wonderful, faithful parents. Think of Abraham's fathers in Egypt. He says in Abraham chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, My fathers, having turned from their righteousness and from the holy commandments, which the Lord their God had given unto them, unto the worshiping of the gods of the heathen, utterly refusing to hear my voice, for their hearts were set to do evil and were wholly turned to the God of Elkanah and the God of Libna and the God of Mamakra and the God of Korash and the God of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore they turned their hearts to the sacrifice of the heathen in offering up their children unto these dumb idols and hearkened not unto my voice, but endeavored to take away my life by the hand of the priest of Elkanah. We know that Abraham was bound as a sacrifice to these heathen gods in Egypt. He prayed as he was lying on the altar of sacrifice, and as the priest had raised his hand to kill him, an angel came and undid the bands that bound his hands and feet so that he could escape. Jehovah talked with him, saying, Abraham, behold, my name is Jehovah, and I have heard thee, and have come down to deliver thee, and take thee away from thy father's house, and from all thy kinsfolk into a strange land, which thou knowest not of. Behold, I will lead thee by my hand, and I will take thee to put upon thee my name, even the priesthood of thy father, and my power shall be over thee. Nephi was very familiar with the scriptures, and surely he knew the story of Abraham. He recognized the great spiritual examples of his parents and expressed his gratitude to them with this first statement in the Book of Mormon. But Abraham's example shows us that having great parents is not a requirement to being a spiritually strong person, as Abraham was able to overcome the wicked example of his fathers and leave Egypt for a promised land. No matter what choices our parents make, if we follow the Savior Jesus Christ, he will lead us by the hand, as he did Abraham and Nephi, to the joy of prosperity the gospel brings to his humble followers. Our promised land might not be in a different location, but could be a transformation of what we currently experience to the level of, a high, of living on a higher plane. 
Spiritually, we can find a promised land with the help of the Lord. In chapter one, the prophet Lehi goes to a remote place, probably at the top of a mountain, where he prays. In a pillar of fire, he saw a vision of the destruction of Jerusalem that was so clear and disturbing that his whole body shook. After the vision, Lehi returned to his home in Jerusalem and went to bed, being overcome by the experience and by the scenes of destruction he had witnessed. While sleeping, another vision came to him, which he described in verse 8. And being thus overcome with the Spirit, he was carried away in a vision, even that he saw the heavens open and he thought he saw God sitting upon his throne, surrounded with numberless concourses of angels in the attitude of singing and praising their God. He sees Jesus Christ descending out of heaven along with 12 apostles. He is given a book from the Savior and told to read it. As he did so, he was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 13 says, and he read, saying, Woe, woe unto Jerusalem, for I have seen thine abominations. Yea, in many things did my father read concerning Jerusalem, that it should be destroyed, and the inhabitants thereof, many should perish by the sword, and many should be carried away captive into Babylon. Lehi read and saw many more things in this vision. As a result, he praised God. Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Thy throne is high in the heavens, and thy power and goodness and mercy are over all the inhabitants of the earth. And because thou art merciful, Thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee, that they shall perish. I'm guessing Lehi saw his family go into the promised land. That it was going to be okay. And that maybe some of his righteous friends in the city would also be blessed and preserved. Because he saw the mercy of God to those who would follow him. So Lehi went out among the people of Jerusalem by day to warn them of the destruction which in a few, few, few years would come upon them. The wicked people there mocked him when he told them of their wickedness. He also told them plainly about the Messiah who would come to the earth and the redemption that he would offer to all. The people in Jerusalem did not care at all about what he was telling them. Eventually, they were so angry with Lehi that they wanted to kill him so they would not have to hear his words any longer. He was a thorn in their side. When Jerusalem was eventually invaded, the Babylonian army put Jerusalem unto, under siege for a very long time, which is estimated to be between 18 and 30 months. Imagine that. Who has that much food 
in their house. It must have been a terrible time of starvation. The kingdom of Judah had had about 400,000 people in it. Now that's not just Jerusalem, but the lower kingdom, the southern kingdom of Israel, which was called Judah. After the siege, the Babylonian army killed most of the people in Jerusalem and took captive the healthiest and most educated ones to Babylon. It is estimated that around 10,000 people were taken. Among these were Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, who were in the same age range as Nephi. It's fun to think, did Nephi know them? Maybe. Nephi goes on to tell about the tender mercies that were shown to Lehi, his father, and to Sariah, his mother, and the four sons, Laman, Lemuel, Sam, and Nephi. Again, Nephi, Lehi has another dream. He is told that because he has been faithful and declared warnings to the people of Jerusalem as he was commanded, he will be blessed. The Lord told him that people in Jerusalem were plotting to take his life and that he should take his family and go into the wilderness for protection. There isn't really a timeline here, but Lehi was in the habit of hearing and obeying the word of the Lord. He had great trust in him. I imagine that he did not wait and debate the situation, weighing the pros and cons. Instead, he acted quickly and went into the wilderness, leaving behind his wealth, his land of, his, of inheritance, and his home. What the Lord was asking him to do was to go to the other side of the earth and start a new civilization, leaving no word with friends or family. I don't know that Lehi had ever had this thought before. Maybe, maybe he had over time or his wife had over time had had the tents. They felt like, oh, maybe we should buy this. We should get this and just have it because they were able to leave without detection and they were able to be safe. They were not followed or found. If they were followed, they weren't found. Now, one of my favorite games to play is Settlers of Catan. I don't know if any of you have played that game, but it is very fun because you take raw, raw materials such as wood and brick or ore, wheat, and you create civilizations. You make roads and you build villages and then cities and, and go on and on. And it's, the goal is to get 10 victory points to win the game. And I'm thinking, wow, they are really building Catan, so to speak, in this promised land. They have not been to. They are going to be doing things they have never done, like building ships, making bows, crossing the waters, setting out, laying out cities. And wow, what an adventure they must have had ahead of them. 
then we find out later in the Book of Mormon, they didn't even have the tools that they need, needed to do these things. They actually had to get ore, they had to melt it, they had to create their own tools so they could do this amazing, this amazing thing. So Lehi and his family took with them the bare necessities that would sustain their family for a short while, some food, an ancient emergency kit, maybe some dates, some dried figs, some dried fish, some flatbread, just some Middle Eastern foods, their tents and their family. He had the faith that God would sustain them. I think for me, it would be very difficult to do that, to go into the wilderness with maybe three to five days or 10 days worth of supplies and then thinking, after this, I'm on my own. We just have to live off of the land and trust in the Lord that he'll bless us to have the food that we need to live. And, and the other things like medicines and health and all the other things that are part of our lives. It would be very hard to give up the comfort of life and do that. But I think what prompted him was his vision. He saw how bad it was and realized, I'm not going to be able to keep my home anyway. I'm, not, I'm going to lose all of my riches anyway. My family might be killed or we might be enslaved. So that, those powerful visions that he had were enough to spur him to do this very difficult thing. We have a very mild story in our family. Uh, we lived in Boise where we had a home and a business. My husband had a software business with one of his good friends for about 10 years and we were established in our home. We had added onto our home and felt good about what we were doing and where we were. We had great neighbors. We had a great ward. And um, we started feeling prompted to move to eastern Idaho. I felt very prompted, <laughs> especially. And the prompting was, you need to sell your home and move to Eastern Idaho near your family. Now, my husband and I, we are not people that just fly by the seat of our pants. We love to plan. We set down roots. We <laughs> are overly cautious to a fault. And so this was, this was a big prompting for us at that time. He had a job in Boise, as I mentioned. His partner was there. Our home was finally finished and beautiful. Our yard was, we had worked hard to make it a little paradise. There we had our five children ages 10 and under and lived by a great school. Everything seemed great, but we felt very strongly about moving. What we didn't know is if his job and livelihood could survive us moving across the state. And would it be stable enough to run in two locations? So at that time, I was reading the Enzyme, trying to get some comfort, and read an article by President Holland from the 2000 March edition. The talk or article is called, Cast Not Away Therefore Your Confidence. 
And I will say this had such a powerful impact in our lives. In part of the talk, there's a paragraph that really stuck out to me and struck me. It said, he said in it, with any major decision, there are cautions and considerations to make. But once there has been illumination, and I had had illumination, my husband had had illumination. Once there has been illumination, beware the temptation to retreat from a good thing. If it was right when you prayed about it and trusted it and lived for it, it is right now. Don't give up when the pressure mounts. Certainly don't give in to that being who is bent on the destruction of your happiness. Face your doubts, master your fears, cast, and, and in quotes, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Stay the course and see the beauty of life unfold for you. This paragraph from this life-changing talk gave us the courage to follow the promptings of the Spirit and relocate our family without seeing a clear vision of how everything would play out. Continu continuing in this talk, Elder Holland said and quoted the scripture, Mine angels shall go up before you and also my presence, and in time you shall possess the goodly land. He then asks, What goodly land? Well, your goodly land, your promised land your New Jerusalem, your own little acre flowing with milk and honey, your future, your dreams, your destiny. I believe that in our own individual ways, God takes us to the grove or the mountain or the temple and there shows us the wonder of what he, his plan for us is. We may not see it as fully as Moses or Nephi or the brother of Jared did, but we see as much as we need to see in order to know that he loves us beyond mortal comprehension. I believe that the adversary and his pinched, calculating little minions try to oppose such experiences and then try to darken them after they happen. But that is not the way of the gospel. That is not the way of Latter-day Saints who claim as the fundamental fact of the restoration, the spirit of revelation. Fighting through darkness and despair and pleading for the light is what opened this dispensation. It is what keeps it going. It is what will keep you going. And I say to that, it takes courage and persistence to follow the revelation we receive and not back down. So I'll quickly tell you the rest of the story. We decided we're going to go for it, my husband and I. Let's get the house ready to sell. So we checked out a book of how do you get your house ready to sell? And we did everything on the list, 
cleaned up. We just worked in our, our house. We'd already worked many, many years to beautify it. But we just cleaned things up, got rid of a lot, and even had the had fresh cookies baking in the oven when <laughs> people came through to walk in it. At the same time, I had the prompting to give a copy of the Book of Mormon to my next door neighbor. And we were not really close friends. We just kind of wave across the fence once in a while, or once in a while chat a little bit. So I thought, okay, I'm feeling a prompting to go and visit my neighbors. So I got a Book of Mormon, went over, knocked on her door, brought her a plate of cookies and said, hey, I just wanted to share this Book of Mormon with you something and I bore my testimony about it and we just chatted for a while and she thanked me and took it and then in our conversation I mentioned that we were planning to sell our house and her eyes lit up she said oh, I want to buy your house and I thought oh that is really strange she wants to buy my house <laughs> she has a house or she said and she also said but maybe my sister will want to buy it so we worked with them and her sister did end up buying my our house before we had even put a yard in the sign uh, a yard sign um, out there advertising that it was for sale and everything fell into place we moved to Rexburg we lived with my parents who are in were in Rexburg at the time and decided to build a home. And at the time, prices were very low compared to what they are now. Building costs were not very high. And we were able to build a house that we would not have been able to ever build if we'd waited. So as far as the business went, my husband bought his partner's share of the business and kept that going for a while, but then also applied to BYU-Idaho. And within three years was hired to work at BYU-Idaho. Following promptings, we welcomed three more children into our home. So we now have a, a bursting house with eight children. <laughs> Over time, we developed the property and still live here. And and it has been a promised land for us. It doesn't mean that the promised land is without opposition because as soon as anywhere you are in this world, even if you're doing what's right, you're going to there are going to be trials in your life and they never stop coming. And so I I can't say that life has been perfect, but it has been beautiful and so much better. I could not imagine back then that we would have the life that we have now. And things just continued to progress as we followed the Spirit. So my words to you are is that there is still a promised land waiting for you and miracles to be had in your life as you trust in the Lord. And I'm sure that you are already trusting in the Lord, but he has so many more wonderful things in store for us. He has not shut his heavens, but has asked us to listen to and follow the living prophet who at this time is President Russell M. Nelson and his apostles. 
as we make it our quest to hear the prophet's voice and follow more and more of his guidance, we will see more and more miracles happen in our lives. And we will be led to, by the hand to our promised land where we can watch the beauty of our lives unfold and conquer the daily challenges that face each one of us. Now back in the Book of Mormon, we, we read about Lehi's family getting about three days away from Jerusalem and setting up their tents. Lehi and Sariah knew the nature of Laman and Lemuel. They knew that they had rebellious spirits, that they would not exercise their faith. But they brought them anyway. They wanted to save them as well. And the first thing that, that Lehi does is name a river and a valley after these two sons. And with inspiring words to help them try to be faithful and to never give up on these sons. And then Lehi is told to send his sons back to Jerusalem to obtain scriptures, the brass plates that were in possession um, in the possession of Laban who was a wealthy influential person he had servants he had riches that was that was difficult Laban did not want to give Laman the plates so they go home they get all of their riches Nephi says, let's take all of our riches and we'll trade him. Laban chases them out of his house and tries sends people to kill, kill these boys. So they retreat to a cave and their Laman and Lemuel get a club and they start to beat Nephi and Sam, the younger brothers who believe they should follow their father in this. An angel comes to stop Laman and Lemuel and said, why are you hitting your brother? This is wrong. They are doing the right thing. You need the plates. So they decide to, they stopped, the brother, older brothers stopped beating their younger brothers. And they all went and waited outside of the gates of Jerusalem, outside the wall. <clears throat> And Nephi said, I'm going in. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. I know that the Lord will bless me and make a way for me to do this, which he always does. If we decide that we are really going to follow what he's asking us to do, he makes a way for us. So Nephi's walking through the streets of Jerusalem at night, trying to keep out of sight. And he sees Laban there drunk, in the, on the ground and the spirit whispers to him you need to you need to slay Laban so Nephi did he, he just thought I'd never killed anyone I don't want to do this but the spirit says it's better that you kill this one man this wicked man 
and get the late and get the brass plates because if you don't have the brass plates your civilization will dwindle in unbelief you'll lose you'll lose the gospel you'll lose faith that's how important scriptures are they keep us in the faith so nephi being a strong young man was able to do that he he did kill Laban there, took his armor and clothing, put it on, walked into Laban's house, commanded the servant to give him the brass plates. The servant followed him outside the city with the brass plates and looks at the three brothers and puts it all together and tries to run away. And Nephi being large and strong stops him and tackles him and says, if you will come with us, don't go back. We'll spare your life and you'll have your freedom. So the servant Zoram agrees to go with them and they have the plates of brass, the scriptures, and they leave Jerusalem and follow their trail that they had taken by now they know it well, they've been on it twice. This is their third time on this trail as they head toward the borders of the Red Sea with the brass plates. And Lehi and Sariah are overjoyed because <laughs> Sariah had a, had a little bit of a meltdown while they were gone thinking they had been killed. And she was so grateful that all was well and that they could make their journey in the wilderness with the brass plates. And then she had, at that time, more faith in her husband as being a prophet of God. So uh, as I look at this chapter, this ending chapter and the, and, the, and the four chapters before it, there's this huge transition for this family of being in a comfortable place to going to a wilderness that's very, very difficult. And having to just trust God every minute of the day to survive. Trusting that you can send your four sons into a wicked city to a wicked man and come back with the plates, which they did. I just think that we can have trust in the Lord. We can take his hand. He can lead us every day to our promised land and help our lives be beautiful. That we don't have to spend every second of every day worrying about all the stresses in life. Let's be close to the Spirit and feel directed that we can protect ourselves and our children and our families and ourselves from evil, not by living in constant fear, but by living in constant faith. And I, I promise if we do this, our lives and souls will be filled with peace and we can live in a wicked world but have Zion 
we can live in our promised land, in our land of milk and honey in these last days. And that's what we need to do. We need to create Zion here. We need to prepare the world for the second coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back. And we don't prepare by living in constant fear and anger and distress. We prepare by listening to the prophet and watching the beauty of our lives unfold because of heeding the words of the prophets. And I have a testimony of this. I see this in my daily life. I am very, very thankful for the Book of Mormon and thankful for the prophet, President Russell M. Nelson and his apostles. They are a source of light to us. Another source of great light is our immediate communication with our Heavenly Father, our prayer. The only one between our Heavenly Father and ourselves is Jesus Christ. He helps us to bridge the gap. And I love them and I'm so thankful for their spirit. I, want, I hope you have enjoyed hearing highlights from this week's reading of Come Follow Me. I just want to thank you for listening to the Come Follow Me White Rabbit podcast today and hope you have a wonderful day.